Now, as you're diving in this morning, uh, we do have a handout for today because today is another one of our practical days. So if you did not get a handout on your way in and you would like one, would you do me a favor real quick and just slip up your hand and uh, Tim Repass here is going to get you one, okay? You want to be able to follow along with today's notes. We have been in a series over the last six weeks where we have been talking about the issue of where are we going as a church? Who is it that we believe God has called us? us to become as we serve him and as we honor him. And I tell you what, um, man, after worship like that, uh, we could just go home. Um, I am so grateful for our team and grateful for the way that God has been using it. Now, as we looked at it last week, we've been looking at these six main purposes that we believe that God has given to his church uh, for us to become and to do. So number one, we looked at exalting God in worship, just like we were. We were reflecting on who God is and all that God has done. Then we've talked about encountering God through prayer. We talked about uh, those idea of relating to him and spending time talking with God and hearing from God through prayer. Now we're on our third purpose, which is evangelizing the world. If you're a guest with us this morning, I want you to know this morning's message is a little bit different than what we typically do. Usually we'll sit down with one passage out of the Bible and we'll take our time and just go through and pull out from that what we see there and what God's teaching us from that. But because we're going through these different purposes, we did that last week with evangelism and we looked at the story of a guy named Philip and the way that God allowed him to be able to lead a a man from Ethiopia to Christ. And so we looked at Philip's story last week. This week what we're doing is trying to give you some practical tools for you to be able to use in sharing the gospel with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbor, anybody that you run into. Uh, by the way, let me remind you as well, uh, Doug mentioned it at the beginning, but let me remind you about the offering that we're collecting for the Hill Church in Roanoke. If you were here with us last Sunday, you, you heard from uh, the video from Pastor Charles about all that God is doing in and through them, and we've collected a love offering that we started last week that we're continuing to collect today. If you want to give by cash or by check, you can use the envelope in the back of the pew there in front of you. If you'd like to give online, there's a link through the mobile bulletin that you can access by scanning the QR code, uh, or you can use the Church Center app that we've been going through uh, using here recently. So any way that you want to give, if you can't figure out how to give, give, uh, talk to Jen Miller, who's sitting right here, and I can guarantee you we'll find a way for you to be able to give, okay? We can make it happen, I promise. So as we're diving in this morning, though, we want to not simply rely on Charles and the Hill and other people to do our evangelism for us. We want to be equipped to be able to share the gospel and talk about Jesus wherever we may be. Now, last week, we talked about Philip doing that and being willing to have those weird conversations. I use the weird, the word weird a lot, which, by the way, if you have never typed the word weird over and over again, it starts to look wrong no matter how you spell it. It's like the word milk. If you ever have to type out the word milk, it just looks weird. I don't understand. But as we looked at it, we said that we have to be willing to go to weird places and have weird conversations if we're going to see God do unusual, extraordinary things of bringing people to salvation and to put their faith and trust in Jesus. So that may have left you with the idea of, yes, I want to go. I want to have those conversations. But Sean, I just don't know what to say. So we're going to try this morning to equip you with two ways for you to be able to share the gospel. The first is going to be through sharing your story. 
So how do you talk about what God has done in your life? And the second is just a real brief way for you to be able to go over the nuts and bolts, just the, the real fundamental pieces of the gospel if you're sharing the gospel with somebody. Now, this is assuming, by the way, that you've already done like Philip did. If you remember when Philip got there, he didn't just launch into his spiel. He stood there and he listened to what was going on. He asked questions to figure out where that official was in his walk with Christ and what was going on. So this is assuming that you've done that background work. You've, you've established this. You're having a conversation with somebody. You're not just walking up and starting with this. You, you, you've kind of figured out where they are with the Lord and what God may be doing. But now you know, I've got to say something, right? And, and so here's what we want to do. We want to get you not to where you have this rehearsed spiel like the Kirby vacuum salesman. We want you to be at a place, though, where you are comfortable being able to talk about what Jesus has done and what he can do in somebody else's life. Why? Because we recognize that one day Jesus is returning. When we were singing that song, I got choked up, which is a surprise to nobody who knows me because I cry all the time. I cried at My Little Pony one time when I was on prednisone. Like, it's, it's just a thing, okay? But at the same time, I got choked up thinking about the day that Jesus will come back and the day I get to see him and the day I get to be with him and how glorious that's gonna be. But here's the thing. For those who don't know Jesus... That's actually a terrifying moment. When Jesus comes back and he sets up his rule and his reign, it's going to be terrifying for those who don't know Christ. We don't want any of our friends, any of our neighbors, any of our coworkers to be separated from God forever. We want them to know who Jesus is. Now, as we say that, that puts a tremendous weight on sharing the gospel. Some of you may be sitting there saying, Sean, like, I'm scared to even try to talk about Jesus because I don't want to mess this thing up, okay? Before we talk about any of the tools, I want to establish this very clearly with you. In fact, this point should be, I think, up on a slide by itself, okay? It's your job to share, but it's God's job to save, okay? It is your job to share, but it is God's job to save. I've heard others say it this way, that the only failure in witnessing is a failure to witness. You're not going to convince anybody to follow Jesus. If I talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. For someone to genuinely place their trust in Christ is a work that only God can do. Jesus said in John 14 that no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him to himself. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says that it's a gift of God, not by works, anyone should boast. So ultimately, the saving is up to God. That's between God and that person, and we can debate about how that all works and the nuances of it. But as the messenger, your job is simply to share the gospel as best you can in that moment and trust God with the results. It is not your job to save anyone. You can't do it. It's your job to present it, to share, and to let God do what he does with the rest of it, okay? Does that make sense? So what that does is that takes a lot of pressure off. I can't mess this up, right? As long as I'm trying to communicate the truth of the gospel. Now, listen, every time you share the gospel, you're going to walk away from that conversation and go, oh, I should have said that. And you're going to be in the shower the next morning and think, oh, man, I wish that I had thought of that. And, oh, this would have been a great response to that. That wasn't a failure. You didn't miss it. You were faithful to share. The results are up to God, okay? We clear on that? Well, then why are we taking time to be able to, to write it out? Why don't I just kind of go off the cuff and just trust God with it? Well, that's great, but let's be honest. This is something that's uncomfortable for a lot of us to talk about. Our relationship with Christ is very personal. 
It's not private, shouldn't be at least, but it is personal. And so for us to be able to share that, it's helpful to think through what I want to say ahead of time. Now, you're, I, again, I'm not going to encourage you ever to memorize this like a sales pitch. Um, that should not ever be the case. However, at the same time, if you've got a base to work off of, of the kinds of things you're going to say, you've thought through it before, then you're more equipped and ready to go so that when God gives you that opportunity and you're like, oh no, I have to say something, you actually have something in your heart already to say, okay? So let's try to lay that out a little bit this morning. Um, By the way, none of this is any way, shape, or form original with me, okay? This is not my content. This is not my information. The information on sharing your story comes from two places. One, Crew's website, uh, because Crew has some great material on how to do this. And two, the book Evangelism Is by David Wheeler and uh, Dave Early. I would recommend that book to anybody who wants to take a a closer look at how to do evangelism. It's a phenomenal resource, okay? Uh, So those are my two for that one. The gospel presentation we're going to look at when we get to sharing the gospel actually comes from the North American Mission Board. So again, none of this is original with me, all right? Just making sure that that's clear. Uh, We don't ever want to plagiarize anybody else's work. This is stuff that comes from other people, all right? So as we're looking at it, let's dive into the idea of sharing your story. Sharing your story. Now, the, the reality is, if you have been saved today, you have a story of what God has done in your life. And this is one of the most effective ways for you to be able to talk about Jesus because you're just talking about what's happened to you, about what God has done in your life. And you're just trying to share, this is the difference that Christ has made in my life. Now, how do you go about doing that? This morning, what we wanna do is to give you a real quick, not quite elevator pitch kind of way of sharing it, but just sort of about 10 sentences that you can write out that would give you a quick way, depending on the length of the conversation, for you just to be able to share what Christ has done, okay? So starting off, as we're thinking about sharing your story, the first place for you to do is to start with the opening. It's good to start in the beginning, right? That kind of makes sense. As you're thinking about how you want to open to tell your story, here's what I would encourage you, and this comes from Crew. Think about one main theme that kind of characterizes the story of your relationship with Christ. Uh, Think about the thing that was most important to you. What's the one theme that you can kind of weave through your story? What was your life like before you met Jesus? What was the main thing that drove you? Did you, was you focused on having fun? Were you focused on having success, on not getting hurt, on, you know, what, what was that thing that drove you? Now, Real quick, let's, let's pause to address this too. How many of you got saved as a child? Okay. Wow, that is fascinating. And a good reminder to why we need to be investing in our next generation ministries with our kids and our teenagers. Overwhelmingly, those who make a decision for Christ do so before the age 18. And that, this room just showed that. If you made a decision when you were younger, and if you've grown up in church, you've heard people share their testimony about how you know, they were strung out on meth, and then they saw God, and they got saved, and they got clean, and now they're a preacher. And, and, and you sit there and say, well, I was nine. <laughs> you know, my motorcycle gang and I, you know, uh, I was nine years old when God saved me. So I I don't have this massive transformation where I was smoking and drinking around, running around, you know, what is it, don't smoke or drink or chew or run around with girls who do, I don't know. Um, You know, I don't have that story. But I do have a story of the fact that I was an anxious kid. My parents used to have to give me Maalox before I went to school when I was a kid because my stomach was just upset all the time. And so that was me. I, I was a really nervous little kid. And that anxiety, by the way, is a real key thing in our world right now. So for me, as I'm writing my story, that's going to be my main theme because God's done a work there for me. 
So thinking about it, what, what is that main idea there? So as you're thinking, if you've got your hand out there, write out just one or two words. What is that theme that you would craft your story with? Okay? I'm giving you time to do this, by the way. This is audience participation today. I know it's a little different. You're like, I'm just used to sitting back and enjoying. I understand. But we want to give you time to do this. All right? So what's your theme there for your story? All right? Now, as you're thinking about it, then go back and think about the time before you met Christ. That's the second stage. In a sentence or two, we want to paint a picture of what we were like before Jesus came into our lives. Now, one caution as you're thinking about the level of detail that you put here, we don't want to glorify our sin. Some of you have been in those testimony services where somebody gets into a little too much detail about what their life was like before Jesus came around, and they actually make it sound like it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, man, I was drinking and partying every weekend. I remember this one time. We were, (laughs) we don't want to do that, okay? In one to two sentences, paint a brief picture of what life was like. You know, for me, like I said, I, I was young. I was nine when I came to Christ. So for me, before Christ, I was a nervous little kid. I was always worried about doing the right thing and saying the right thing and making sure that everything was always right. So, so that, like I said, that's why I was so nervous when I was in kindergarten and stuff. I, I just couldn't handle it. So as you're thinking through it this morning, write out one or two sentences. Right now, you may just want to put a couple of words there just to jog your memory later. Again, audience participation this morning. Does anybody realize now that they want a pen that they didn't get one? You know, I need one. Okay, all right. Everybody that's wanting to has one. Okay. Um, so as we're doing this, though, uh, go through, write out a couple of things. If you can't think of full sentences, just put down some key words to come back about what your life was like before you met Jesus. Okay. If possible, like I said, relate this back to that theme you identified at the beginning. Let that weave through your story. Don't make up stuff for the record, okay? Let's be real clear. Don't make up stuff to try to have a better testimony. I actually had a friend one time who decided that he wanted to live a rather wild life during late high school and early college because it was going to make such a great testimony when he came back to Jesus. That is a horrific idea. Don't do that, and don't just make up stuff to make your testimony sound better. Because the reality is, the greatest miracle is that Jesus took you from death to life. You don't have to embellish that, okay? So what was your life like before you met Christ? Now, then number three, how I met Christ. So after that, take some time to talk about how you came to know Jesus. Now, for this particular version of your story, it doesn't have to be overly in-depth, okay? Uh, It doesn't have to be, you know, this, this long theological treatise. It's not bad to have all of that in your head so that if you have a longer conversation, you can talk more about that. But what was it that God used to to be able to draw you to Christ? Was it your parents who told you about Jesus? Was it a pastor or a friend or some event that you went to? How was it that you came to meet Jesus? So again, going through my story, I was an anxious little kid, and we didn't start going to church until I was in fourth grade. And I remember on one Wednesday night, I had been hearing about the gospel for a few months, and I'd been around church people for the first time in my life. I had saved family members, but, but my dad was saved. My mom wasn't saved. My dad wasn't walking with the Lord. So I'd never really been around Christians. And all of a sudden, one Wednesday night, I, I looked around at all the people that were there on Wednesday night and realized there was something that they had that I didn't. And so I could take you to the spot at 100 West Main Street. There's a back landing. If you come in through the side door, there's a landing that goes up to the upstairs. Coming down those stairs, I remember praying, God, there's something that the people here have that I don't. And if it's you, I want it. And that was when I got saved. As that was when I came to Christ. 
Now, later that night, I think I prayed a little more and and talked about forgiveness and, and those kind of things. But in that moment, I just knew there was something that they had that I wanted, and that was Jesus. That's how I came to Christ. So then write out something short like that. Then, okay, how are you coming? You, you got your sentences or some key words to come back to later? How did I come to Christ? And then number four, how is my life different now? How is my life different now? Two thoughts as you're writing out how your life has changed. Number one, Jesus is the hero, not you. And number two, be honest. We all still struggle. See, for me, when I share the after part of my story, I still wrestle with anxiety, okay? So I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that that moment when I was nine years old, I got saved and I have never worried about another thing since for the last 30 years. That is not even close to the truth. But the reality is when I trusted in Jesus as my Savior and Lord, now I know that I have somebody to go to when I'm anxious and I know that there's somebody in control of the world and of my life and I'm getting to follow him so I can run to him when I start getting nervous. You see the difference there? Don't, don't sit here and lie to me and say, well, you know, I, now, I know folks that God delivered them from a sin the very moment they got saved. Like there was something they struggled with and they have that testimony. I remember one uh, individual told me he'd been smoking for years and God, the very moment he got saved, he walked down and he laid his cigarettes on the altar and that was it. Never picked him back up. I know other believers who have struggled with that for 30, 40, 50 years after salvation. You know, it's just God works differently in different ways. What's your story? What's God done? Now, let's pause real quick. As you're sitting here writing this out or thinking through these things, you may not have a story. You know, you may be sitting there and think, well, you know, I remember I went forward during that kid's camp that time, but I don't really know that my life is that much different. There's not really been that much that's changed. Or maybe as you're sitting here thinking through, you, you can't actually remember a time where you made that decision to follow Jesus as your Savior and Lord. You may not be sure that you're even saved. Hey, listen, I don't want to plant unnecessary doubt in anybody's mind. But maybe walking through this, you realize, I'm not actually a Christian. Is that you? I don't have a story. Now, I'm not one that says you have to remember the date and the time and the place. I'm fortunate enough that God made it really clear of when I got saved. I know that there are some folks that it's not that clear. It's more of a gradual understanding of of coming to realize when Christ has saved me. But they can look back and they can see God's hand. They can look back and see how God's changed. So for you, it may have been more gradual. You may not know the date. I know some people who almost will teach that if you don't remember the exact date, then you may not even be saved. I I don't think that's what the Bible teaches us truthfully. Um, But you ought to be able to say now, I know for a fact, that I have surrendered to Jesus as my Savior and Lord. One thing that I thankfully heard less of over the last several years, I remember as a kid hearing all these people talking about, I had accepted Jesus as my Savior, but never made him my Lord. That doesn't work. There is nothing in Scripture that tells us that we can divide those two roles. The idea there would be that I trusted Jesus to get me out of hell, but I didn't want him to be in charge of any of the rest of my life. So I made Jesus my Savior, and then later I made him my Lord. Biblically, that doesn't work. The way that you are saved is by acknowledging Jesus as Lord. So it's a, it's a package deal. You can't separate the two. So if there's never been a time in your life where you've transferred your trust from what you could do to trusting in what Jesus has done for you, then the Bible doesn't give me any assurance that you have a relationship with Christ. 
But here's what's awesome. We're getting ready to talk about how you can have that. That's the second half of this message. So stay tuned and be listening for what God has to say. So now we've talked about the opening. I was an anxious kid, and before I met Christ, I had to take medicine to go to school because I just was so uptight about things. Then, you know, I met Christ because I was started going to church and hearing about Jesus. I remember the first message I heard was Pete Duplessis preaching on the wide path and the narrow path. That's the first sermon I ever heard. And just a few months after that day, I was standing there on that Wednesday night, walking to the steps and realized that I needed the God that these people serve. And now, man, my life is so much different. <laughs> yeah, I still struggle with anxiety, but, but it's different because I know that in those anxious moments, I can come to Christ and say, God, I'm worried about this. I'm stressed about this. I, I know that he's in charge of everything and in charge of my life. And now we get to the conclusion. Here's what you need to learn to do. Land the plane. How many of you have ever heard me not land the plane during a sermon? All right? Here's what happens. You listen to me, and I start winding down, winding down. You slide your Bible off your lap. You start grabbing your jacket. And then all of a sudden, touch and go, and we're back at it, right? And you're like, oh, I thought that was the end. And then he goes around for a while, goes around for a while. All right, now now we're coming in for it. There was one a few months ago. I can't remember which one, but I I had like three touch and goes where I should have just landed the plane at any point. We'd call it a day and we'd go home, all right? If you've never thought through the ending of your story, you may do the same thing where you just kind of keep rambling or the other option is you stop and go, and uh, I guess that's it, Right? So here's your opportunity to think through those things. By the way, if you're ever looking for public speaking advice, think through your introduction, think through your conclusion, and think through your transitions in the middle. Like actually write them out so you know what you're gonna say when you get there. In this instance, you need to think about how are you gonna wrap up your story? Two things that you wanna do with that. One, you wanna summarize what you've said if you need to, kind of go back, and if it's especially if it's been a little bit of a longer story. You wanna summarize a little bit of what you've said. Again, highlighting what Jesus has done, not what you do or what you've done. Uh, And then in the same thing, you might also think about some kind of question to ask, right? Just some kind of question to sit there and say, you know, has has anything like that ever happened to you? Um, Tell me about, you know, does all that make sense? What questions do you have? Would you want to follow Jesus that way? See, like for me with my anxiety story, it's like, well, you know, and now I have somebody that I I can go to and I can talk to and I can cast all my cares on and know that he cares for me. And And I want that for you. I don't know, do you ever struggle with anxiety like that? Do you have somebody to turn to? And throw it back in their court for them to be able to to take the conversation further. Does that make sense? So think through, what am I gonna open with? What's kind of the theme that I wanna carry through my story as I'm telling the story? Then how do I talk about how I, who I was before I met Christ? Then how I met Christ. And then how my life has changed now that, I know Christ, and then how do I lay in the plane? How do I say, you know, and, and this is what I want for you. Are you at the place where you're ready to surrender to Jesus like that? Now, if you go through that, you say, well, Sean, you never actually shared the gospel with them. That's true. That's what we're going to talk about next. Now, it could be that you weave this through your story. Every conversation is going to be different. What I want you to do is I want you to have succinct ways to be able to share this. If it's with a server or somebody standing in line at a cashier where you just don't have a lot of time, you want a quick way to be able to get through the gospel to be able to cover all of the main points. 
There are other times, though, where you're sitting down with a friend over coffee and you've got an extended period of time or over multiple conversations. You want to be able to be fluent in all of these things and just kind of talk through it. And the only way to get better at it is to do it. And let me tell you this. Okay, I want you, to, I want you guys to listen closely to this. I stand up here on Sundays for a living and talk about Jesus. I have a four-year undergraduate degree in biblical studies. I have a three-year master's degree in masters of divinity is what it's called, where I studied the Bible and studied how to share the gospel. I have memorized eight to 10 different complete gospel presentations over the years through different courses, different classes. And when I was in seminary, it was required that every eight weeks I have shared the gospel with at least eight individuals, giving them the full gospel and and giving them an opportunity to respond, okay? For the three years I was in seminary, I had to do that every eight weeks. I'm working on my doctorate right now, my my D-Med in pastoral leadership, where we're talking about helping people to grow in these things. I say all that, not out of any sense of pride, but to tell you, I get nervous every single time, okay? Every single time I get ready to share the gospel, I still get nervous. So if you're sitting here thinking, well, you know, I just, I'm too scared to do it. Just do it. You've got to just get out there. Easiest lead in in the world. This is not in the notes, so you may want to write it down the side. If you just want to start getting used to it, we've talked about this before, Easiest lead-in in the world is, hey, we're getting ready to pray over our meal. Is there anything we can pray for you about to your server at a restaurant? I know some of you guys don't go to restaurants like you used to, but if you're at a restaurant, if you're going through a drive through anything like that, if you have the habit of praying over your meal, simply ask the server, is there anything we can pray for you about? That gets you started talking about things of God with somebody you don't know. And for one, it gets you in the habit. Second thing is, you'd be amazed at the opportunities that opens up. Unbelievable opportunities that we've had over the years. A lot of times uh, around here, what you'll hear is, um, I'm in school, I want you to pray for this thing. And that's great, we will definitely do that for you. Make sure you, mem- you get their name. Uh, most of them have a name tag, makes it easy. Uh, so make sure you get their name and say, so you know, Teresa, we're gonna pray for you about that when you, in just a second here. And here's what you'll find. Sometimes, not every time, on that second refill when they come back, they say, yeah. you know, I was thinking about school, but I've actually got this thing going on in my family. We recently had a, a server who was willing to read us in on a very personal struggle in their family. And I said, this is really hard. Would you pray for me about that? And it gave us an opportunity to be able to invest. There was another server we used to see regularly at a we were able to bless them at Christmas with something, develop a relationship, share the gospel with them. You get to see God change lives, and it makes you nervous every single time. But what's worse, your nerves or them going to hell without having had someone sit there and tell them the gospel because they care about them? Now, again, it's not that if you don't share, they're, they're condemned because God will use somebody else. If, if God wants to draw them to himself, he's going to use somebody else. But you're going to miss out on the privilege. You're going to miss out on the, the privilege of being used of God to share the gospel with that person. So 
How do we go about actually sharing the gospel? There's a bunch of different tools that I'd love to introduce you to. So let's kind of quickly talk about some of these. As we're looking through this, uh, keep in mind, by the way, the word gospel, if you're not used to church language, gospel simply means good news. This is the good news that Jesus loved me so much that he would die in my place and be raised from the dead and offer me his life so that now I can be a part of his kingdom. That's the good news of the gospel. Now, as you're doing this, uh, as you're sharing the gospel, you're sharing the best news that anybody could hear. The culture around us may have grown more hostile to this message, but in some respects, it's easier to share the gospel than it ever has been, okay? Let me ask you, how many of you have one of these, okay? How many of you, it stays with you about 98% of your life, okay? For a lot of us, our phones are constantly with us. Now, here's what's cool about that. There are incredibly good apps out here to help you to be able to share the gospel. Uh, real quick, this, there's a slide that should have about four of these. There's the four that I would recommend just as you're getting started is number one, Life on Mission. Life on Mission is put out by the North American Mission Board. It has the three circles, which is that the life conversation guide that you were given with your handout. Uh, we'll talk more about that. It also has the best news ever in there, which is the one that we're gonna be going over in a little bit. Then you'll also notice one called God Tools. God Tools is put out by Crew. Uh, used to be Campus Crusade for Christ. God Tools is really unique because it has about three or four different tracts in it. They're graphic. They're very easy to follow. And it also has some additional training in there on how for you to get comfortable sharing the gospel. So God Tools is a great one. The story is a really unique one. Uh, I like the story because it's really well laid out. It also has the whole thing as like a seven and a half minute video. So if you're where you aren't comfortable sharing the gospel, but you want to talk to somebody about it, the story is a really good app because you can just show somebody the video and then you can talk about it. Say, hey, would you, would you give me about eight minutes and we can watch this together? Because the story is really engaging. The other thing that's unique about the story is you can sign up for a login through them and you get a unique URL that you can share with other people and it gives you, uh, it gives you feedback on how many times it was viewed and things like that. So you can know if the people you shared the gospel with or gave it to actually looked it up and later. That was neat. I had used it a few years ago in Blacksburg and a few days later saw an extra hit come up. Um, so... Then the last one there is the perspective cards. Perspective cards are really nice if you're talking to somebody who is a high-level thinker, who is thinking about their worldview and where they're coming from. It asks some great questions. It's also through Crew. Uh, it's another one of their gospel sharing tools. And uh, if you need help with that one, Paul can walk you through how to do that one because that's, I think, one of his more favorite ones. Uh, no? Yeah, not, not Rissa's. Rissa's probably more Solarium. Quest? Okay. So see, Crew's got like a dozen apps out there on how to do this. Now, some of you are like, yeah, I don't use a phone. And, and I'll be honest with you. Smartphones are fantastic for a lot of things. It's not my favorite way to share the gospel. And the only reason is because usually as soon as this thing is out, I'm getting notifications. I'm getting distracted. They're getting distracted. Just having the phone sitting on the table, uh, it, it just kind of interrupts things, okay? It's great to have the tools and be able to use them if that's where you're at. Nothing wrong at all with sharing the gospel using your phone. Here's four ways to do it, okay? Now, I know all of these, by the way, are available on iOS. Some of them may not be available on Android. Sorry about that. Get an iPhone. I'm just, my, just kidding. Um, all right? Now, as you're looking at this... Um, as you go through, here's why I, I give you a bunch of different options. For some people, that's really overwhelming. I, I told you, I've memorized eight to 10 different gospel presentations that I could think of over the years. 
And the reason that's been so helpful for me is because now I have all kinds of ways of talking about the gospel that are illustrations from this one or, or verses from this one or you know things like that. So I can draw and, and I can shift. So if somebody's talking to me and they don't think that they're a bad person, I can draw from the way of the master because that's got a great thing on how to do that. If I need to illustrate how just a little bit of sin affects everything, I've got evangelism explosion. In fact, actually, um, in, as I've been talking this morning, I wove in some of the things I learned from evangelism explosion back when I was in seminary. Uh, I've got creation to Christ. If you're talking to somebody who has no uh, exposure to the gospel or to the things of God, there's this creation to Christ that you can do. And so you can pull bits and pieces of that and kind of roll your own, have your own toolbox there of everything that you need to be able to share the gospel, okay? So I would encourage you to, to diversify, but you can't diversify if you don't have at least one. And so what I would encourage you to do is as you look through the tracks that are available, as you look through these apps, as you look through other things, Find the one that not only are you comfortable sharing, but that also preaches the gospel to you. Because see, we don't ever grow past our own personal need for the gospel. We need to remind ourselves daily that God loved us so much that he died on the cross and buried, was buried and raised so that we could have new life and now we can go to be in his kingdom forever. We need to remind ourselves of that. So find the gospel presentation that does that for you. I'll be honest, out of all those apps, um, honestly, my favorite gospel presentation by far is the one that we handed out to you in that life conversation guide. It's called The Three Circles. Uh, so if you got the handout today, it, you got one with you. If you didn't grab one, there's more out on the table. If you want to get more of those to take and leave on your desk at the office or to give to friends, absolutely whatever. We will buy thousands of them if we need to. Um, to me, it is the easiest one to be able to use in a variety of contexts. I like to memorize it so that I can write it out on a napkin because that makes it feel a little bit less of a prepared sales pitch of I've got this little book and we're going to walk through it. But it's okay to use those resources, especially until you get comfortable. Um, I've used three circles uh, with everybody from PhD level people all the way through uh, folks in Zimbabwe where we're drawing it out in the, the dirt in, their, in front of their hut. I mean, like we've, I've used it and I love it and it's one of my favorite ways of communicating the gospel. But this morning, we don't really have time to go all the way through that presentation. Um, it's in the Life on Mission app, and you also get the, you got the booklet when you came in today. There's great ways to use it. Uh, if any of you are going through the Fithian Farms Haunted Trail this year, the video at the end is based off of the three circles as well, so it's a tool that a lot of folks are using, okay? So the, as you're looking at sharing the gospel... What I wanted to give you this morning was one called the Best News Interactive Guide. Uh, it's on the, the Life on Mission app. It's in there in the more resources side. And uh, it, to me, this is one of the simplest, most direct, straightforward ways of presenting the gospel. So if you don't have any way of sharing the gospel that you've already memorized, here's a great one for you to start with, okay? If the gospel is the good news, then what's the bad news? Well, the first thing that you see here is, let's walk through it together. The bad news is that our sin has separated us from God. By the way, if you're here this morning and you don't have a story of having come to Christ and him changing your life, this is the bad news for you, right? Your sin has separated you from God. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'd encourage you, by the way, if you're going to use this presentation, um, think about how you're going to explain sin. Most people, when they hear the word sin, they immediately think like, the big stuff, you know, the, the things that'll get you arrested and thrown in jail for a long time. What they don't think about is that lying or gossip or not doing the things that I'm supposed to do or 
you know, my attitude, all of those things can be sin. So uh, again, that's where EE has a tremendous example for that. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So the paycheck that you and I deserve for our sin is to die. Now, the big idea with death is separation. You know, we think physical death, it's where my life is separated from my physical body. But the Bible also talks about spiritual death, where I'm separated from God because of my sin. Now, that's the bad news. But the thing is, it actually gets worse before it gets better. See, the worst news is that we can do nothing to remove our sin. In and of yourself, you can't do anything to get rid of it. No matter how hard you try, you cannot rid yourself of this. This is where I like EE's illustration. If I had you over for omelets and I was going to just kind of mix up the batch ahead of time, and let's say I took one of those $19.18 counts of eggs that you get from Kroger right now, and I cracked all of them, five bucks for 18 eggs. Holy cow, guys. Anyway, so I'm cracking all of them in there. I get 17 of them in there. I drop the last egg in there, and as soon as it hits, I realize, man, that thing is rotten, and it stinks, right? Now, I can sit there and I can try to fish that egg out. But once it's in the mix, the whole thing is ruined, right? Even though only one-eighteenth of that is bad, the whole thing's gone. And I wouldn't be a good friend if I served it to you. In the same kind of way, the Bible says that we've all sinned. And because of that, I, I can't get rid of that on my own. I'm all corrupted because even if I just sinned one time, that'd be enough. And I can't do anything to fix that said in Ephesians 2.8 that it's not my doing that can save me. But here's where it gets good. On the cross, Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He died on a cross and shed his blood to pay for our sins. So 1 John 1.7 says that the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So my sin made me separated from God and spiritually dead. But Jesus loved me enough that he spilled his own blood on the cross to purify me from my sin. And the best news is that through faith, you can freely receive that forgiveness and eternal life. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if all you communicate is those things, you've done well. That's the essence of the gospel. You are a sinner. You're separated from God, and you can't save yourself. But Jesus loved you so much that he would die on the cross and be raised from the dead to offer you new life and invite you into his kingdom. That's what salvation's all about, about knowing God, about being a part of his family, about being drawn into his kingdom. Now, by the way, if you don't have a story, this is you. You're dead and you're separated from God. But God loved you so much that he spilled his blood to save you. And so today then you need to do the next thing, which is accepting Jesus's free gift. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this is why I said earlier, you cannot separate salvation and lordship. You cannot divide the two. Because the way to be saved is to confess your mouth, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, you'll notice that in your handout, you have, I think in the handout, it should have a copy of the sinner's prayer there. Uh, it's kind of what we refer to that sometimes. Here's what you want to be very clear with as you're talking to somebody, as you're sharing the gospel. 
if all they're doing is reciting that like it's some kind of magic incantation that's going to make them saved, then you may as well have them reading the Gettysburg Address, okay? Instead, the the only reason we put a, a prayer there is to help them to think about the ways to express what God's already doing in their heart, okay? To be able to say, I recognize that I'm a sinner. You know, sometimes, when honestly, when I'm sharing the gospel, I won't lead somebody in a prayer and have them pray after me. I used to do that. I, I don't like doing that now. Um, instead, what I'll do is I'll tell you, you know, if you got into a fight with your wife, you don't need me to tell you how to apologize to her, right? You should at least, if, we, if you need that, we'll sit down and do some counseling. We'll work through it. Um, but you know how to apologize. And so in the same kind of way, what I want you to do is talking to God like I'm talking to you, just tell God, you know, God, I've sinned and I don't want you to forgive me and I need you to be in charge of my life and I wanna follow you. Just those kind of things. And then I'll let them do it. Now, what I'll do is I'll say, I wanna pray first for you. Okay, I'm gonna pray out loud for you. And then when I'm done, I'm gonna ask you to just go ahead and tell God what's going on in your heart and make that commitment to follow him. And then let them do it. And you will hear some of the things that will make you the theology or the theologian in you will cringe a little bit sometimes when you hear it. It's like, oh, okay, God's got time to sort that out. That'll be good. Um, But you'll also hear some of the most genuine, heartfelt expressions of faith and trust in Christ. And by the way, I always like to wrap it up with John 6, 47, where he said, I tell you the truth, he who believes in me has eternal life. So from the moment that a person genuinely places that saving trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord, they have eternal life, and that can never be taken away. That's what sharing the gospel is all about. So now, here's the thing. You've got some tools. You can think through this afternoon, kind of go back and craft your story a little bit more so that you're ready to share it whenever you get the chance. And then you've got some tools you can download for your smartphone, You've got some some apps you can look at and try to learn which one really clicks with you. And if nothing else, you've got a real basic gospel presentation with some verses, some things like that. Keep this in your pocketbook. Keep it in your wallet. Take a picture of it so it's in your phone if you need to be able to refer back to it. Whatever. Be ready to share the gospel anywhere and everywhere. Now, shifting gears just a little bit. As a church, we want to make sure that we are individually sharing the gospel wherever we are. We want to be incarnational. In other words, we want like Jesus took on flesh and incarnated himself and walked around us in the same kind of way. We want to be incarnational in that we want to walk, be walking Jesus's basically everywhere we go at our jobs, our stores, our restaurants, our neighborhoods, everywhere we are. But we also recognize that there are times where we want to invite the community to come see what God's doing. And one of the things that we want to do, we can't rely only on those kind of things and pat our backs, ourselves on the backs. So we had 150 people come to this. That must mean we're reaching the community for Christ. No, but it's a great step. It's helping people to see that Christians aren't totally weird. All right? What we would love to do is this Christmas, we would love to do a, an outreach to be able to invite the community to come and to hear about the gospel and be around Christians. And so here's what we'd like to do. We want to do something fun. One Saturday afternoon, Saturday, December the 17th, we want to get people together to do like carnival games. Like if you've ever done a fall festival to church, we kind of want to do that only towards Christmas, okay? We will have some snacks. We'll have a craft or two at least that will kind of present the gospel through the craft. Um, But we can't do that if you won't come. 
and if you won't help. So here's what I need from you. I'm gonna ask you right now, and I'm gonna tell Teresa, Teresa Repass is helping us to coordinate and think through this. I want Teresa to look around uh, to see, because the reality is, I, I know you don't have your calendar with you, you haven't had time to think, I get it. But if you would be available and interested in helping to put on some kind of family festival on Saturday, December the 17th, would you do me a favor right now and just raise your hand? All right, Teresa, look around. Okay, now, here's the thing. In like a week, right? I know. I should have taken a picture, all right? <laughs> yeah, now you're all in the In like a week, we're gonna start having a sign-up sheet. If you do not sign up, we will have to cancel the event because we're not gonna represent Christ well if 100 people show up and there's five of us running around like chickens with our heads cutting off trying to figure this thing out. Understand? Clear on that? If we're going to get serious about taking the gospel to the community, we've got to be willing to put our money where our mouth is. Actually, like Doug said, some of you are more than willing to put your money where your mouth is, but you're not willing to put your watch where your mouth is and say, I'm gonna give this time. If we're gonna see Jesus working in the community, we've gotta be willing to give it the time. We've gotta be willing to give it the energy. And there were a whole lot of hands that went up. And I get it, I know schedules may, I get it. But we wanna reach the community for Christ and we wanna do it this way, okay? Sound good? All right, well, here's what I want us to do. I want you to take just a minute there with your head bowed and your eyes closed. I know this is a very different kind of message, but before we walk out, I want you to make several commitments for me, okay? First off, if you're here this morning and you have never placed your trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord, and you may not have realized that until this morning, then you need to see if you're at the point where you're ready to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Are you ready to make that commitment to follow Christ? If you need help doing that, you, you can do that where you're at. You don't have to have me do it. Like I said, you're just simply expressing to God what he's already doing in your heart. But if you wanna talk with me about that, if you have questions about it, I'll be down front and would love to talk with you about how to make that decision today. If you've got more questions than we can answer during this invitation, I'll stick around afterwards and we'll sit down and we'll go through and we'll answer any questions you have. If you're a lady who would rather talk to a lady, we've got folks like Rissa Metzler and others who would be happy to sit around and tell you about Jesus and how to walk with him, okay? So if you would, just come down front when you're ready. If you're ready to make that decision, come down front and look, talk to me about it. The other decision that we wanted to, to allow for publicly is we just wrapped up our latest Discover CBC class and have some folks who are ready to commit their lives here as members. So I wanna encourage you, if you're ready to make that decision, you've, you've been through Discover CBC and you're ready to plant your life here as a member, I'd encourage you to come forward in just a minute when we have this invitation. So as soon as we, we're done praying and everybody else has just kind of got their head bowed and eyes closed, y'all just come on down front as you can. And then if you're here though this morning and you don't need to make any other of those public decisions, then why don't you pray about how God would have you to share your story? How God would have you to share the gospel? Where and when God would give you those opportunities? And then would you then maybe make a commitment and say, Sean, you know, this week I've got to memorize that gospel presentation. I've got to sit down. I've got to come up with ways to figure that out because I need to be able to talk about Jesus. 
Would you pray for the outreach there in December, that God would provide volunteers and that God would bring the community in a real way so they can be around Christians and figure out that, yeah, we're different, but we love Jesus and we love them. Would you pray for God to make that clear? What do you need to do in response this morning? Maybe it's still praying about what God would have you to contribute towards the hill, the work that he's doing through them. Take time to do business with God. In fact, I'm gonna encourage you, go ahead and stand with me and let's pray. I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and stand up and let me pray for us. Father, as we're responding to you, we know that you're in charge, that you are our God, and we wanna honor you by telling as many people as possible about you. Help us to make the commitments we need to make this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Now, I want you to continue with your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a minute. Anybody who needs to make a public decision, you can come down here and talk with me. If not, you do business with God.